Hi everyone, welcome to Zoomies, your dog podcast. I'm Adriana Milne, your local dog trainer from Pet Pals Dog Training, and thank you for joining me this afternoon on Radio Karen. On our doggy chat today, we'll be talking about dog ownership in your senior years. So when you've got elderly people or senior elders who, you know, like you know, the positive effects of having pets in the older age are innumerous. So there are so many health benefits or owning a pet, such as reduction of blood pressure, reduction of depressive mood by increasing serotonin and dopamine levels, more opportunities to exercise, you know, like a, a person start just feel more energetic and just wants to take the, the dog out and uh, consequently they will be going out more often and exercising as well. It will be great for their balance and to build some muscles. Opportunity to meet new people. You know, every time you've got people with dogs, uh, they talk, stop for a chat. You can go to a coffee shop, bring your dog along, bring a little mat, settle, have a cuppa, and you're going to make so many friends. If you take your dog to the beach, everybody meets, you know, like a, and even on the walks, dogs can meet, become friends, and then people can share uh, chats and, you know, just make more friendship around the neighborhood by having dogs. They go more out and about. Reduction in loneliness, uh, and especially since uh, the period of COVID that has affected so many of us, you know, the people just felt so much isolation during those uh, horrible years. And as things reopen, we just um, want to meet people face to face again. And having a dog isn't such a, one of the best ways that you can think of. So, when you've got uh, elders living in long term care facilities, you can be visited as well by therapy dogs, such as the Delta therapy dogs. So um, I don't know if you have any acquaintance from your family, uh, a friend or someone on elder years and who may live in a hostel or in a nursing home who couldn't live alone at home. So and uh, sometimes, many times, these elderly people used to have pet dogs and they couldn't bring into the nursing home their pets. So the Delta provides... Um, animal assistance services in Australia and Delta has over 1,200 volunteers who visit hospitals, aged care facilities, youth services, mental health services and other health and community services across Australia. For more information, you go to the Delta Society website that is www.deltasociety.com.au and you can find out more information. And uh, the, these teams of Delta dogs, they get assessed uh, for obviously temperament. They have to pass a test. And then it's just so lovely to see them coming out with the little bandana, the uniforms, the ladies. I'll do this on a voluntary basis from the goodness of their heart. And like the, the joy on the elderly people's places to see these dogs coming. And some sometimes elders may be bedridden, you know, in some advanced stages of sickness, whatever may be, and it's just a joy. It's just a joy to have a, a dog putting a little head on the person's lap and getting a cuddle, you know, like it just makes their, their life so much more uh, enjoyment of living and, and just sharing, you know, that day with the dogs and the benefits that it gives to people. Okay, and I have a bit of time that I'd like to spend on this topic with you. 
Um, in regards to people having um, reaching an advanced age and the challenges that they may face uh, relating to owning a pet when you get older. So some of the things that may happen is if the pet comes to just to die or whatever maybe, the grief related to the pet loss and the consequent fear of outliving them is one of the things to mention. How pet care is going to be a bit harder if the person is less mobile. And the risk of falls, you know, if the elder person have a bigger dog and it's so important then to train this dog to be gentle around, not pushing to the other person, personal space, because otherwise if they lean too much, the person may be unbalanced and then have a fall and could even break a bone. So that comes dog training. That is so important to have your dog well trained. And when you get older, you really want a polite dog around you, respecting of your space, your physical space. Then it comes the financial costs, especially vet fees that can be quite dear in some circumstances for some elderly people. Some people may be on a pension, and have limited amount of funds. The fear of needing to leave a pet in the event of relocation. In the case, the person used to live at home in this instance, and then he has to move somewhere else because it needs care, needs low care or high level care. And then a lot of these places you cannot bring your dog, your own dog along. And what will happen to the dog? And if the person then, um, in the other case, is healthy and decides I'm retired now and I want to start traveling much more, enjoy my retirement years, and they decided to go like take the caravan for quite a few months to the Northern Territory, WA, and go really for a few months, what's going to happen with the dog? Would you bring it along? And if you decide not to, where are you going to keep the dog for quite a few months of the year? Or if you go overseas, you know, some people are oh, retired, save money, work hard all my life, might want just to go to Europe and spend like eight, eight weeks traveling. And then your dog's going to have to be looked after and put somewhere for being looked after. So this can become challenges for the person on the decision time on what to do. I remember um, once I had a client of mine and she decided, I retire now. I really want to enjoy life and travel much more. I wish I had done before. So her and the husband have a very deep chat and they decided to find a very good home for the dog because since they're going to be constantly on the road, including many overseas travels and trips, they decided I don't think then the dog would fit into our life anymore, unfortunately. That was sad, but they did find a very, very suitable home for the, the Silky Terrier in case. And um, so we are going to a short break now. And you're listening to Radio Karen. We'll be right back with you. Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy, and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC. And when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Karen. Tune in and enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We are listening to Zoomies, your dog podcast on Radio Karen. I'm Adriana Milne, your local dog trainer. <coughs> Chatting about events coming up, I had a good look uh, right now. The biggest one in sight will be in May, end of May, the Million Paws Walk, held from the sponsor RSPCA, and uh, is going to be held on the 28th of May, 2023. And if you go to the website www.rspca.vic, 
www.ticketmaster.org.au. You're going to find more information how to get tickets. And the closest ones uh, for us, we are around Patterson Lakes here. Karen will be the Hastings on the Mornington Peninsula on the foreshore. They'll have a medium pause walk happening from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Lots of stalls, and there's a lovely walk uh, that they do against the foreshore. And you meet, and you go in a group, and it's just you just hope the weather helps, please. <laughs> and you've got the Albert Lake one, the main one in the city perimeter, okay? Well, I wanted still on the point of the senior years that I wanted to explore a bit with you today. Uh, just touch a point, what will happen when... Um, I don't know what's the process here, but like, I come from Brazil, South America. Not that many people do a will, thinking ahead of time, oh, the day I pass, the day I die, you know, like your best wishes expressed. But what will happen uh, if you don't have a will? And what will happen to your pet, your dog? You know, have you written somewhere or expressed the wishes where your pet would go uh, to your family member? In fact, is if you have never spoken to anyone about, and if you haven't written on a will, you have no control what would happen. So I, my, my family here, everyone actually has done a will. And it's very important then, on a will, that you express the wishes about your pet. So you would know who you give it to well in advance. You have already organized. I highly recommend then that you talk about your family about it, if you've got family with you. And you can even leave a certain amount of money for your pet so your family would get some initial help looking after your dog, in case, or your cat. And if no family member may be interested in looking after your dog or your pet, think ahead, and you have still time to find someone you can trust. I know you might be a very young person, yeah, but you never know what life can, you know, bring about in the future. We just wish everyone can live until very healthy, until 80 plus years of age, but life can happen. So, and if you can have all decided ahead of time, you know, it gives you peace of mind. One of the services that, in the programs that the RSPCA has on offer involves pet legacies. It is the Pet Bequest Program, where the RSPCA cares for the animals after their owners have passed away. So new homes and foster parents are carefully selected to ensure the best level of care for your pet. If in case you have some interest in this topic and you like to research, do a bit of more research and read about, if you go to the www.rspca.org.au, slash support hyphen us slash pet hyphen legacies. You'll find much more information. Okay? So this is a pause for thought because um, it's very important that you know what will happen to your pet. You know? Um, when I had opportunity to do some temperament assessment at a local shelter, there are quite a few of the dogs that came from deceased states. Simply people, elders have passed away. The, the family couldn't keep the dog for whatever may be and they end up at the shelter uh, what is yes it can is great but what a situation is that the person then the elder person who passed has absolutely no control what is going to happen the type of homes that the dog would go and um, yeah so I really want you to think about because it is a wise decision you know to give a very tender consideration to this matter so 
I want to share with you some dog training tips now, okay? So some of the dog training tips that I wanted to share is about recall on dogs. Recall is very important. Recall is important even on the house environment, you know, that when the dog just takes off on you, you just want, when you call it back, that it comes to you whenever you call. You can start from the inside of the house, calling the dog to different places where you move to, and one family member in one place, the other family member in the other part of the house, you can start calling, doing some exercise on the backyard, calling the dog, you know, uh, so it comes from one person to the other. You want to, your dog to have a rocket recall, no matter when, wherever it is, when you call, you want the dog to come, okay? It's great at the park, but it actually should start at home. Other exercise that I find that's very, very important is that you teach the dog stay and um, I differentiate between the exercise stay and the weight. The weight I normally use when dogs are having a little pause and I teach the dog with a hand signal and I give a, a cue signal, a hand signal as well. And it's like a, a little pause Usually when before I go through the door on a walk to the dog, I ask to sit and wait. So give me time to open the door and I carefully open. And if the dog breaks my weight, I just close the door, ask the dog to sit and wait again. So they have manners before going through the door. Otherwise, the pulling on the lead can start becoming and happening from the inside of the house. And before the car, before loading in a car, so... If you're a mom, you know, you're going to have quite a few things to load in your car. So if your dog has been taught on a sit and wait, it gives you time to load the baby pram or push it in the car, put any bags you might require, and then you could say, okay, you can come now for the dog. Okay, instead of you open the car door, dog just lunges and pushes into, and, you know, can be a mess, can scratch things, and so have bags, can things fall on the ground. So we don't want anyone getting hurt. So it is polite manners okay so it gets rewarded by having a car trip and being loaded in the car by listening to you well um so there is a difference in between the weight and the stay and i'll prefer to talk about the stay next time we chat because you don't want you to get confused right and before gates as well if you go past and through gates is a great opportunity to get a dog to sit and wait and then you open the gate okay let's come Nice and calm, okay? So you don't want pushy behavior to get rewarded with the walk. Otherwise, it becomes a bad habit. So now we are going to go for another short break. And uh, you're listening to Radio Karen. Called TAD to remodel my place. Said I wanted it to be that kind of place. Knee deep in the Renault, sinking in our fights. Other shonky builders waking me up at night. And Adam plays the boss man. He listens to the customer Don't you remember He built this kitchen He built this kitchen with T-A-D We built this kitchen 
We built this kitchen with T-A-D We built this kitchen We built this kitchen with T-A-D Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Zoomies, your dog podcast on Radio Karen. Now, I wanted to talk to you about some of the professional dog training associations that we have in Australia and uh, some of the roles and what they actually do. So I have, since... uh, 2012 have participated at committee level of, at some of them. One of them was and still exists, the Association of Pet Dog Training Australia APDT and uh, we have helped at committee level in many different roles and some of these associations is so great because they have different membership levels. They have members uh, levels for a dog trainer, a dog walker, vet nurses and you've got the dog trainers who run classes and help at dog obedience schools out there and so you've got uh, that level and you've got other levels for veterinarians or students of veterinary science or veterinary nurses as I said and then you've got the professional dog trainers who are uh, trainers the full membership and trainers who have run the business for quite a while they do dog training consultations they do behavioral modification and they some of them run classes as well uh, at their own venues that they hire and some help as well on the dog clubs so is it so much that happens when you are part of such a big association. In case of the APDT, was, uh, the Australia was based on the APDT USA. And there are so many roles at the Committee on Management. You've got the president, you've got vice president, <laughs> and you've got uh, many other roles across the board. The state representative coordinator that runs events, community events on different states. Some have um, organized talks at uh, big shows like the Dog Lover Show, uh, some of the pet show at the uh, RSPCA, Million Paws Walk, some of the microchipping day that can happen in different states. So sharing information, educating the public. This is all not-for-profit, guys. So it is uh, the uh, associations that obviously depend on membership, and uh, they're trying to educate the public, you know, about respect of and responsible dog ownership, and they're trying to promote positive reinforcement dog training, force-free, no use of aversive methods out there. So it is interesting if you know this website and where to find top trainers out there. In the case of the APDT, is www.apdt.org.au. And if you're looking for a, a trainer, you can go there and on the search, on the map, just put your postcode and, or the area where you live and all the trainers will, in your area will become listed. In, um, in the case of APDT Australia, they're going to have a lovely conference coming up in um, now in October 2023. It's going to be at the Hunter Valley. Lots of speakers will be there. You're going to have international speakers and the local Australian speakers and some workshops. It will be a fantastic event. And I have the pleasure to be in the, su- um, the subcommittee level of the organization of this conference as well. Then you've got the Delta Institute that is um, the board and the institute for all the trainers, professional trainers, who have done the certificate for companion animal services of the Delta Society Australia. That has um, the trainers aspect, the website of the trainers, 
that is www.deltainstitute.adu.au and you've got the therapy dogs the website that is the the deltatherapy.com.au so two different ramifications but all under one big umbrella um so and then the other one who uh, I have great pleasure to be part of the Committee on Management of Pet Professional Guild Australia and the website is www.ppgaustralia.net.au we run webinars free webinars some paid webinars and you've got facebook uh, pages for the members uh, the professional members and you've got for the public the public facebook page and some any pet owner can be part of the PPGA, become a member, and you're going to have so much access for education and the, the webinars as well. So it is, I highly recommend that you have a look, and we try to to share as much as we can possibly, you know, know and always learning. There's never enough. So there's constant professional development from our members, and um, um, have a pleasure to work in different subcommittees, um, trying to organize the conference for 2024 and uh, industry regulation and the other one, the Vet Expo, that will be held in Melbourne in October as well. So we prepare stalls and we prepare posters for education of the public and you're trying to, you know, spread the word of positive reinforcement out there for as many people as you possibly can. So we make the world of dogs and pets a much better place. And we've got the feline subcommittee, the so information about feline, equine, information about horses, horse-free horse training, the dog training, obviously, you're trying to create the small animal uh, subcommittee and information about rabbits, guinea pigs, uh, ferrets, birds, and rats, <laughs> mice. <laughs> A lot of people have them as pets as well. So we are really thriving you know there's so much work behind the scenes all this we do on a volunteer role so and it's a not-for-profit organization so i i don't talk about me but these ladies who work you know tirelessly out there they deserve trophies because incredible some have been in committee for years years you know on the apdt i know someone who's been working in committee for about eight years so it is incredible they deserve a high, highly 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 praise because um, they they just have passion about Okay, so I want to talk now about the dog breed profile. And this is a very dear, close to my heart, because it is the English Cocker Spaniel. And I happen to own a Cocker Spaniel, uh, a black one. <laughs> the funny thing about her is she, her mom was uh, totally black and the father was an orange roan. And Kelly, when she was born, she had a tiny little white dot on her nose. And I little did I know that the little dot that she grew was going to start spreading around her nose. So she's got a big white right circle, a white circle around the whole nose. And a tiny bit on the chest when she was a pup, and that has spread a bit. So she's not a Rowan, but she's not 100% black. So she looks funny, but it does uh, look nice in a way, you know. <laughs> I never seen a, a dog with a big white ring around the nose. No black and white. So let's talk about the English Cocker Spaniel. They belong to the gun dog group. You've got two types, the field and the show Cocker Spaniel. The field types have shorter coats. Their temperament, energetic, merry, sweet, and an affectionate dog. Excellent with kids, gentle, and playful, but does not tolerate being teased. 
it can be very sociable with strangers and it sometimes can bark and be slightly territorial. They make great companion dogs. Some of the beaches could be a little bit more uh, bossy, uh, but they need someone if they will guide them, you know, guide them nicely and positively. The males can be a bit more cooperative. The field lines may be too active to make some like suburbia pets. They need, just be aware if you get a field cocker spaniel, they need incredible amount of exercise, okay? And the person may not have the time to provide that. They should be trained gently and they are very sensitive, but also independent and very intelligent. They do well with cats in the household and they will do well as well with small pets, but if introduced when they're young, a puppy. Okay, otherwise, don't forget, you've got your gun dog, and if it's an adult dog and then you bring along a rabbit, I don't think it would be a good idea because, you know, they're gun dogs and they learn to, to hunt. So, yeah, you have to do the right, correct way as a puppy and start early. Some of the health problems prone to ear infections. Yeah, I have to say, unfortunately, they can be prone to ear infections. And um, in the case of my, she had a, a couple of severe ones and each of those periods she became quite more noise sensitive at the time slowly improved as the infection you know we, we treated and uh, yes just be aware because they can't you know long ears any moisture there they can't just evaporate so easily because of the, the shape of the ears so very important that it's cleaned properly and in doubt if you see signs of your cocker spaniel rubbing the ears and the face on the ground and shaking the head too much and scratching around the areas of the ears go please make appointment with the vet and have a check straight away because it could be that the dog is on the early signs of having ear infection and it needs to be treated straight away so during summer check the ears regularly and just be aware they love the water they love the beach they love the water but don't forget it's swimming all the time you're gonna need to have special care with the ears that the moisture is really dried out okay um, because the ears will be close to the ground and they can grab quite a bit of little sticks and, you know, like little scrubs out there on the backyard or on the parks. So just be very clean and brush properly when the dog comes back home and nice and, you know, on a regular basis, I'll say daily. And because of the ears close to the ground, they could become a host to ticks in the, in the states where ticks are more prominent. Exercise. They're very energetic dogs, need run and daily walks. Their life expectancy is around 12 to 15 years of age. They require, for grooming, regular combing and brushing. It's an average shedder. So in regards to grooming, please do take your Cocker Spaniel for a proper grooming appointment every six to eight weeks. You know, don't let the dog just have too much for overgrown because it's going to be very hard to keep um, don't have tangles and to untangle it can be just hard I remember during the when the because my is two years of age so when the COVID period started reopening a little bit and the dog groomers were allowed to once back to operate they had such a backlog of clients and my poor little Congress spaniel was due for a, um, a grooming and clipping and I had to wait for a while and geez she, she became a little bit fair or like the hair grew far too much too, too large and too big and that wasn't nice but 
Um, now I, I wouldn't grow myself because I didn't want to do mistakes. She, we did a lot of handling exercises to prepare for the grooming appointment. But I remember the summer pool, well, the first summer that she had to face because of the COVID and the backlog with the clients. Oh, no, it was too long. And being black with the summer heat, you know, have trying to walk her early in the day. Um, or later in the afternoon when the sun wasn't too strong because she was ducking on for the shades as soon as she could. Um, so in regards to the ancestry of the English Cocker Spaniel, nobody has uh, any real idea of the breeds that went into fashioning the Cocker Spaniel. One thing for sure, though, is that the ancestry can be traced back to Spain in the 14th century. The first mentioned literature was actually uh, for in the 14th century and about hunting in the states bordering France and Spain. The working cock in Spain remains very popular for flushing woodcock from dense undergrowth in the Scotland and north of England for flushing grouse. Some people prefer white marks on their dogs so they can be visible on thick bush, thick cover. A very British breed by the beginning of the 19th century, Spaniels were divided into two distinctive types, the large and the small Spaniels. Being the smallest, the Cocker, very popular in England, in South East and Wales, where it got its name from cocking, game, what is, flushing it out of the thick undergrowth. The popularity of this willing and hardy little dog soon spread, and today they are found all over the world. A Cocker Spaniel was also bred along similar lines in America, and in 1946 was recognized as a separate breed. So you've got a separate breed in America that's considered the American Cocker Spaniel. They are very merry, <laughs> uh, really are very lively, and they're so affectionate. In terms of the, they're constantly wagging their tails. They never stop wagging the tail when working or playing, an indication of the pleasure it takes from being active. The tail is set just below the line of the back and should be carried level, never lifted. In a show dog, a lifted tail would be a serious defect. The tail in the old days used to be docked. It's not allowed anymore. Uh, and so at least I'm happy that, but it looks different because on the old days, when I was raised in Brazil, obviously the show cocker spaniels, they had dog tails and that was the norm at the time. But I'm happy that this has changed. Originally a practical measure for working dogs, some breeders um, now leave the tails for pups, just designed for the to live as companion dogs. As I said, it has changed through time. So their neck usually is muscular, the nose is large, the eyes usually brown or hazel, the body strong and compact, those lovely wagging tails, and as I said, the colors can vary. The hair is very silky, and the ears are drooping with beautifully silky fringes. Okay, so that's your lovely English Cocker Spaniel. So I think we are approaching the end of our show today. And thank you for listening to our dog podcast, Zoomies. We are looking forward to having another wonderful guest to chat with us next week. We have had some great feedback of our last guest that we interviewed, who was Sandra Bader from Paws for Paws. And we have quite a few more interviews coming up for you uh, about some wonderful guests in the pet and vet industry and um, I wish you enjoy your weekend coming up because the weather seems to be coming awesome 
Yeah, we had a horrible weather last week. I went away with my pup. It was my birthday. So she came along with us. We had a fun time, but we got limited <laughs> because the amount of rain <laughs> happened was just incredible. I think it was one of the wettest weekends in May in about 20 years, guys. We still did our bushwalk. We still went on trekking. And I have to put on her the lovely snow to, to save the ears from getting drenched and, you know, grabbing the sticks. So it was a lot of towel dry when I got home. Um, but lucky we had a nice place and we still have fun. So enjoy the weather while it lasts because soon comes up thick of winter, some gloomy weather, and I know the next three days are going to be sunshine, especially Sunday 21, okay? Have fun and great adventures with the family and bring your dog along, okay? And I think it's bye for now. <laughs>